0: again. God, thank you that we can have fun. Lord, thank you that you have a wonderful sense of humor. And uh, God, we thank you that you are merciful. You are slow to anger. You are abounding in steadfast love. So Lord, we come to this point in our worship service. We've sung songs. We've given of our tithes. We've given offerings, Lord. But we come to this point where, Father, with all that is within us, we try to cast aside any distraction. Lord, we ask that you would help us to focus on you and your word alone. God, that you would speak in spite of a foolish and silly preacher. God, that your words would flow forward and mine would be stopped. Lord, we we need to hear from you this morning, all of us together. We need to be encouraged. We need to be comforted. But, Father, we also need to be convicted and challenged. Lord, Your Word is more than capable of doing that by the power of Your Spirit. So we ask for Your Spirit to come, for Your Spirit to move, and for You to speak as we, Your children, humbly listen. We ask all these things in the name of the Father, and Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. If you have a Bible with you this morning, and I hope that you do, feel free to take it and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. Just Past halfway through the Bible, you come to the book of Matthew. We're going to be in chapter 14 together this morning. Matthew chapter 14. If you don't have your Bible with you or you don't have a copy of Scripture, feel free to use one of the black Bibles that's in the pew in front of you. And if you don't have your own copy at home, that is our gift to you. You can take it home and use it for your own personal study. Or if you're more comfortable, you can follow along with the screens, although the trees are rather tall, so it does make it difficult to see the screens in places. However you are accessing the text, I would invite you, if you're physically able, would you please stand out of reverence for the public reading of God's holy word as we look together in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, beginning in verse 19. The word of the Lord says, Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of the broken pieces left over, and those who ate were about five thousand men besides women and children. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. As we come to this particular passage this morning, you'll note that it does tie in with the preview video that we saw of things that will be learned in Vacation Bible School this week. But I believe that the Lord has a lot for us to learn from this passage this morning. I think that a lot of times we jump right into the story of Jesus walking on water and Peter walking on water before we remember to get a little bit of that context. So that's why we're starting in verse 19. In verse 19, we get the tail end of what is one of the accounts of Jesus feeding the 5,000. So there's 5,000 men that are counted, and then there's... Unknown numbers of women and children. So this could be anywhere from 12 to 20,000 people that are gathered. And they're all hungry. And Jesus has been teaching them for a long time. And everyone is getting weary and hungry and ready for something to eat. And so they ask around to see if anybody brought any food with them. And all they can find is an old school lunchable. All right. That's all that this is. It's a, a few loaves, a couple fish. That's all this is. It's a fancy lunchable from a kid who was fishing nearby. And so they take this kid's lunch, and Jesus prays and blesses and begins to hand to the disciples. And every time he reaches back to hand something to them, there's more for them to take and distribute. And so everybody eats, and everybody is satisfied. And it is very important to note that this is the story that precedes them going across the water, Jesus walking on the water, and then Peter walking on the water going to Jesus. It's important to note because it tells us that immediately they get into the boat and go out into the sea. It doesn't happen later. It's immediate. Immediately after they finish serving, they take up the leftovers. Jesus says, don't worry about it, guys. I can dismiss the crowds. I can handle that. I need some alone time with the Father. Y'all get in the boat and y'all go ahead. But you see, the disciples had just had a very long day. I mean... Guys, it's, it's physically draining to carry all that food and walk everywhere, but it's also very emotionally draining. I mean, can you imagine as you're a disciple and you've got your basket and you're, you're carrying your food out and you come over here to Herman and you say, you got your fish and your, and your bread here. And Herman says... I'm sorry, I'm gluten-free. I can't have any of the bread. Just, sorry, Herman, just excuse me. I, I look, how about you, ma'am? How much, how much fish and bread? I can't have mercury. Has that fish got excess mercury in it? Listen, ma'am, I, I got some fresh fish and some bread for you. I know you're hungry. You want some? I'll take everything. That'll be fine. Thank you. You're doing such a wonderful job. You're just doing great. Hey, ma'am, how would you like? All right, there you go. Listen, everybody else has to eat, ma'am. If you could just leave some in the basket before I go back to Jesus, I really would appreciate it. Seriously, hey, stop. Everybody, Stop. Stop it. Stop right now. No, we are not fighting over this. We are, I'm coming back to you, all right, till so you settle down. Dealing with 5,000 people, handing them food, and they're starving. They're frustrated. This is an emotionally taxing day because you're tired of dealing with people. And if you are alive and breathing, you have had a day where you've had an emotionally taxing day, right? And you get home and you say, if I've got to talk to one more person, I just might kill them. That's the day the disciples have had. All these people. And the whole time they're trying to be good servants. And and they're talking to Jesus about how much money are we going to have to have. I can't feed them. And Jesus goes, well, you go find them something to eat. And they're going, what is Jesus talking about? This guy's crazy. They're frustrated with Jesus. They're frustrated with the crowds. They're walking all over the place. They're tired. Their feet hurt. And then Jesus says, hey, hop in the boat. Take it across to the other side. I'll be right behind you. Okay, Jesus, we'll get the boat ready. We can do it. We got it. You guys ready? Let's get the boat ready. Here we go. And then they're out on the water. After they've had a grueling and long day. Physically, emotionally, probably spiritually. They're blown away by what they just saw happen. They're trying to comprehend what's going on. And the wind picks up on the Sea of Galilee. It's amazing what happens on the Sea of Galilee. I had the privilege of going to Israel back in 2006 with my uncle. And winds pick up over the top of the mountains and they swoop down and they will kick up swells like you have never seen in an instant. I mean, it goes from placid and everything is easy and calm to 20-foot waves that are about to capsize your boat. And that's what these disciples experienced. And notice that they had had a long day before this already. You know, I find it convenient that the storms of life never wait for us to be ready for them. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed that the storms don't ask you and say, Hey, Jason, uh, would this week be a really good week for your air conditioner to break and for your car to break down? Would this be a really good week for your kids to just have a really rough week of adjusting to being in summer? Would this be a really bad week for VBS to be going on at the same time? The storms never check on us to see if it's okay with our schedule before they erupt in our lives. Hey, is this a good time for your relative to pass away, you know, the one that you love? Is this a good time for your friend to come to you and ask for financial help for the fourth or fifth time and you have to struggle with, do I enable them? Do I help them? What am I supposed to do? How do I be wise in this situation? Hey, is this a good time for your mom to come down with cancer? Is this a good time for you to wake up and you find that your stress fracture on your foot is giving you grueling pain and you can't walk and make it to church today? The storms don't. Check up on us. They just show up. And they often show up when we're tired and at our wits' end. But you see, Jesus is the perfect weatherman. He knew what the weather was going to be like. So he did a great thing, right? He preserved his disciples and saved them from hardship and storm by saying, All right, guys, wait because the wind's going to pick up. Let's go over to the other side in the morning. Now, Jesus sends the disciples in the boat across the sea immediately and intentionally sends them into bad weather. This is Jesus, our kind, loving, merciful Savior. He sends the disciples into bad weather on purpose. Jesus doesn't need a Doppler radar. He knows exactly what the forecast is. He oftentimes in the New Testament commands the winds and the waves and the seas. So He knows what's happening and sends the disciples, into the storm on purpose and knows the timing of when they go into this storm as well. He knows how exhausted they are. He knows how tired they have become. But it's an opportunity for growth. You see, Jesus felt the same thing. Satan did not wait for Jesus to be fully fed and really geared up and armored up to resist him when he came to tempt Jesus. Remember in the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, remember in the Gospel of Matthew, each time we see this account of the devil coming to tempt Jesus, Jesus had fasted for 40 days. After he fasts for 40 days, then Satan shows up to tempt him and to test him. So sometimes the storms arrive and they are a work of our enemy. Sometimes Jesus sends us into the storm on purpose. But whichever way it is, they never care what's going on in our life. And often they attack or they take place when we are weakest. There's a reason for that in Scripture. The reason that Jesus sends the disciples out into the sea is because of what we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 9 and 10 Paul's writing and he says, But Jesus, he, but God, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, Then I am strong. We have this fun saying that we love to to throw around. And we mean well when we say this. But don't worry, guys. God's not going to give you more than you can handle. You just hang in there, guys. God's not going to give you more than you can handle. Don't worry about it because God's not going to overload you. He'd never give you more than you can handle. I want to tell you this morning that Scripture teaches us He intentionally gives us more than we can handle to drive us to our knees and seek Him. Because the weaker we are, the stronger He is. This happens over and over again in our lives. This happens over and over again in Scripture. Listen, one of the best testimonies of, of God at work in my life is the fact that I was able to go to college at Sanford University and it was paid for. But God proved to me that it was not by my effort. It was by my weakness that he allowed me to enter into that school. I had just enough of an ACT score to get in. My dad made me take that test four or five times. And guys, I made the same score four or five times. And I finally looked at my dad and I said, Dad, I'm dumb as a brick. It ain't getting any better, okay? This is all we've got to work with. If I'm going to get into that school and I'm going to get a scholarship, then the Lord's going to have to provide it. And we decided to go in faith to Sanford. He had a PAC plan that would have paid for any public institution. All I had to do was pick to go to Montevallo or Auburn or Alabama or anywhere that was a public college and the tuition was covered. But I knew that God was calling me to go to Sanford. So I go to my first day of class. I've loaded up with student loans and debt because I didn't have enough money. And I came home to find my mom weeping as though somebody had died in our family. It scared the life out of me. And I ran to her and I said, what's wrong? What happened? And she said, they called, Nathan. They called. They all called. They called. They called. She just kept saying it over and over again. I said, who called? What happened? There were scholarships that I had come in second for. And the people that won those scholarships decided to go to a public university, a state university. The scholarships I applied for only applied to private universities. So all of those people who had come in first and deserved and won those scholarships lost the eligibility to claim them because they went to a public university instead of a private. So all of them defaulted to me, and to a penny was the exact amount I had taken out in student loans. God said, Nathan, follow me to Stanford because I have a reason for you to be there. And I said, okay, Lord, it doesn't make any sense to me, but I'll go. And I said, let me just take this test. If I could just work hard enough, if I could just make a good enough score, then I can get into that school on my own merit. I can earn some scholarships on my own merit. And God said, Nathan, that's not what this is about. You see, my power is perfected when you are weak. And I'm going to let you be weak. And I'm going to find another way because I want you to know that it was all me and none of you that got you there. It's the same way in so many situations in our lives. Jesus said, sends this storm to the disciples because they've had a long day, because they are tired. And then it says that Jesus doesn't come to them until the fourth watch of the night. Do you realize that is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m.? For about nine hours, these disciples have fought huge waves and spun in circles, thought they were going to capsize, afraid for their lives. And never once do we have a record in Scripture of them crying out to Jesus. It's okay, guys. Just keep rolling. We got this. We got this. Don't bother Jesus. He's up on the mountain. This isn't a big deal. We can handle this. Oh, ha, ha. oh, okay. We survived that one. We're okay. Turn the boat. Turn the boat. We got to go straight at him. If we go sideways, we'll flip over. It's going to be bad. Never once did anybody go, hey, you know, Jesus has like calmed winds and waves before. I remember he like stepped out and he said, peace, be still. Y'all think we should like call out to him, ask him to help? Nobody says it. Not once. Because we are so stubborn. The disciples are us. How many times have you been in the midst of a trial or a storm or a struggle and you go, I can row through this. I got this. This is all me. All me. I'm on it. I'm on it. If I just row hard enough, if I just endure long enough, I can make it through there. All the while, God is trying to bring our attention to Him and Him alone because we can't do it. We are not able, we don't have the sufficiency to take care of ourselves. Our sufficiency is only in Christ. So for about nine hours, these disciples fight the winds and the waves. And then it says that Jesus comes to them in the fourth watch. It says that they were far away by this point. It says in Greek, many stades. And a stade is about 600 feet. So about eight stades is a mile. So just imagine they're roughly a mile out on the Sea of Galilee, and they're in the midst of terrible storms, and Jesus is just... I mean, as the swells are going up and down, Jesus is just walking on them, and He just goes up comes back down. It's nothing to Him. He's just stepping lightly across the water.
1: No matter how high the waves go, no matter how deep
0: they dip, He's just walking out there to them. He gets out there to the boat, and they still don't believe that God or that their Savior, that their Messiah, the One who they've watched heal people countless times... Speak the word, and diseases have fled. Demons have run and cowered in fear. Demons have begged of Jesus not to abolish them. And they still, they go, Oh, it's a ghost. It's a spirit. Oh, what are we going to do? If it's not bad enough. I mean, the waves and the winds, and where's Jesus? And now there's this weird ghost coming at us. I don't know what I'm going to do. Not a single one of them recognizes Jesus in the midst of the storm. Does that not mean you too? How often does Jesus show up? But He doesn't show up exactly like we expected Him to. And we think, oh, that's, that can't be Jesus. That must be something else. Jesus isn't working that way. That must be a ghost. That must be something else. Jesus has to reemphasize who He is and speak comforting words before they even are willing to recognize that it is Him And he says, whoa, 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 easy, guys. Take heart. It's just me. And do they go, oh, God, thank you for sending Jesus your son. Jesus, come on the the boat. Help us out. The bravest one among them goes, all right, really is you out there? You tell me to come out to you on the water. I'll walk out there with you. How about that? If you're really who you say you are. That's their response when Jesus shows up to give them comfort and help and support and strength. And how many times in my life have, has Jesus shown up to save me, to help me? And I've looked at him and gone, all right, maybe you did show up. But if it's really you, you do X, Y, and Z. And when you do X, Y, and Z, then I'll know it's you. And then I'll believe you and I'll trust you. How often do we lay Test after test and proof after proof out before the Lord and say, Hey, it looks a lot like you. This is kind of what you did in Scripture. It lines up with how you usually work in the world. But I'm going to need you to do something crazy on top of it so that I really know that it's you. And so Jesus answers Peter. Peter says, If it's really you, you tell me to come to you. And Jesus looks at Peter and just says, Come on. Now this is, this is crazy, Right? Where are you safer in a storm? Standing on top of the water or in a boat that can float? You're safer in the boat, right? That's what we're led to believe. But you're always safer when you're with Jesus. No matter the storm, no matter what's raging around us, we are safer when we are with Jesus. And Jesus beckons to us and says, Come out to me. This is the same thing that we see in Genesis chapter 7, verse 1. There's a really cool thing that happens in Genesis chapter 7, verse 1. All right? This is the ESV version. It says, Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Now listen, the King James Version adds an extra interpretation into the translation. The King James Version says, Come into the ark. The interesting thing is the word for go and the word for come is the same word, and it's one word in Greek, and it's one word in Hebrew. But in both Greek and Hebrew, it's used for go or come. The only way that you know whether you're telling somebody to go away or to come here is the context around it. In Hebrew, you use the word bow for get away from me. bo, go. In Greek, er ercomai. Ercomai, either go or come here. All the reason that you know which one you're talking about is hidden in the context. And so, in the King James Version, as they're translating, they say, the Lord didn't say, go into the ark. He told Noah to come into the ark. Can you invite somebody into a place where you are not? No. The only way I can tell you to come up on the stage is if I'm up on the stage. I can invite you to where I already am. See, God was already in the ark. The ark was not safe from the floods that were rising because Noah was some kind of master craftsman. It wasn't because of some kind of special wood that Noah used. It was because God was in the ark. And God invited Noah into the ark. And in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it's what's called the Septuagint, all right? That Greek translation of the Hebrew, it's the same word in Genesis 7-1 as in Matthew chapter 14. Jesus says, come to me on the water. God says from the ark, come into the boat, Noah. The safest place that we can be is in the presence of God, in the presence of our Savior. And sometimes in the midst of the storm, the Lord will call us out onto the water with Him. And we might think it's safer in the boat. It's safer in our comfort zone. It's more convenient in our comfort zone. But that's not the case. The safest place to be is next to Jesus. And so Peter is the only one who responds. And he hops out of that boat and he steps on the water like it's solid ground. And Jesus beckons for him to come. And Peter knows that even if he dies, it's safer to be with Jesus than to be in the boat. So Peter is a super saint, right? It's what we normally talk about in this. He walks on the water like Jesus. And for a second, his eyes are fixed on Jesus. He is mesmerized. He looks nowhere else. He has no idea that there's a boat, that there's water, that there's a storm. All he knows is that's my Jesus and my Jesus, come to me. So he begins to walk. But my favorite part about all these people in scriptures, they're so relatable, right? We've seen ourselves so many times already. I see myself in Peter. Peter takes like three or four steps and then he goes, what was that? Is that wind? Oh my goodness, I'm on the water. What's happening? And then he begins to sink. All right. I think Peter maybe had a little bit of ADD, which I think I suffer with sometimes. Hey, a butterfly. That's pretty. If y'all don't do that, nobody else in this room. Peter is zeroed in. And all of a sudden, there's a gust of wind. And it says that he sees the storm. It's not just that the wind blows across him, but the wind catches his face and he feels it. And then he looks and he goes, Oh, that's a big wave. Oh, man, what's going on? Even when we feel like we are the most faithful, if we get distracted and look at what is going on in the world around us, if we look at how hard the struggle is right now, and we start drowning. But we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. He is the only one who can save us. He is the only one who can comfort us. And whether He's in the boat or out of the boat, being next to Him is the only thing we should be worried about. Regardless of where the storm came from, or when it showed up, or who sent it, or how severe it is, our focus should be on Jesus. Listen, there's just a few things I want to remind us of. From this passage. Firstly, I want us to keep in mind, sometimes it is the Lord who intentionally sends us into a storm for His glory and our good. Look at Joseph in Genesis. Look at the story in Exodus 14. God intentionally sends the Israelites so that they are trapped between a desert, the Red Sea, and Pharaoh's army. There's nowhere to go but to turn to God. If you look at Job, there's nowhere to go but to turn to God. All throughout Scripture. No matter the storm, no matter what happens, sometimes God does this for our good. Sometimes it is good for us to be in the midst of a storm, to test us, to prove us, To draw faith out of us. To help us refocus on the Savior. Secondly, Jesus will always show up in the middle of the storm. He's always available with words of comfort. If you're looking for Him, He's not a ghost out there. It's not something strange that's happening. It's Jesus moving and coming towards you with words of comfort to help you. Don't ignore Jesus as He comes to you in the midst of your trial, in the midst of our storms. Recognize that it is Jesus because He always will come. He will always show up. And even if it's the fourth watch of the night, He is always on time. Thirdly, you are always safer with Jesus. I am always safer with Jesus. Folks, if you and I believe that Jesus came and was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life that fulfilled the law, died a death that we deserved, died on our cross for our sins, and was resurrected three days later, if we believe that and follow Jesus to live as Christ, to die as gain, no matter where Christ sends us, We are safer with Him. Because the worst that this world could do to us is take our life. And then we have gained. And we are in the presence of our Savior. Face to face. So know that no matter the struggle or the cost, it's always safer with Jesus. And the last thing for us this morning, and then we're done. Focus on... If you and I live lives like ADD children who are distracted by every breeze that blows our way, if we're worried about every tornado warning that comes up, if we're scared about every new breaking news, abortion bills are passed this way, pro-life bills are passed this way, breaking news, the world is burning and it's on fire, what are we going to do? If we are not focused on Christ, we will be swayed with every policy that is passed From every legislature in every state, we will be swayed from every hurricane this coming season. Peter only began to sink when he lost his focus on Jesus. I only start sinking into my sin, into my selfishness, into my pride when I stop focusing on Jesus. Where's your focus this morning? Are you trusting in Jesus? You know, it's been said that in life, everyone is either going into a storm, in the middle of a storm, or coming out of a storm. Regardless of where you may be this morning, our focus has to be on Jesus at every stage of life, in every circumstance. He will comfort us. It is safe with Him. And He sometimes has brought this upon us to bring us to our knees and depend on Him so that our weakness can prove His strength. Are you focused on Him today? Have you trusted in Him today? Jesus will come to you just like He came to the disciples. He will call to you and say, Come to me. Are you listening to hear His voice? Is He calling to you this morning by His Spirit, saying, Trust Him. In me. These are the things that we learn from Peter walking on the water. From Jesus walking on the water. You and I have the faith in the midst of the storm to focus on Jesus that we might walk on the water and live with Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word and for the truth found in it. I thank You that You have given us stories and records, historical accounts of people just like us who faced struggles and difficulties just like us. And Father, we see time and time again where You showed up in power and with mercy to save in miraculous ways. God, we know that we can trust in You to do the same thing for us Today, help us, Lord, to keep our focus on You and You alone. God, if there is anyone here this morning who has not put their trust in You, who not even recognized You, Lord, may they see You for who You are today, trust in You, come down the aisle and want to know more about the Gospel. Father, we're going to have... A time to respond to your word and to your spirit. Lord, we do this every Sunday, and it, it's, it's a time where we ask that you would move. That you would inspire us to, to come to these steps and pray. To come and ask for prayer from one of the pastors. To come and say you people want to join this church. Or to come down and trust in Jesus for the first time. Or maybe respond in some other way altogether. Father, however you move, we ask that you would help us to be obedient that we would follow your leadership, respond to you in these times as we sing. We ask all this in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit.